This episode is brought to you in part by Zondervan, publisher of The Perilous Fight, Overcoming Our Culture's War on the American Family, written and narrated by retired neurosurgeon and politician Dr. Ben Carson. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church. This is Pass the Mic. Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pass the Mic, Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church, powered by the Reformed African American Network. I'm your host, Tyler Burns. You can follow me on Twitter at Burns23. Follow at your own risk. And joining me as always is the president and co-founder of the Reformed African American Network, Jamar Tisby. Jamar, what's happening, brother? Hey, man, I'm feeling pretty good, man. Feeling pretty good about the Reformed African-American Network and some of the milestones that we keep reaching um, every now and again. So hmm, talk about that, brother. Talk about that. Yeah. So so the latest, you know, it's not a big deal, but it's it's a big deal uh, to me and, and to folks who follow the network. So on uh, we're on social media at Rand Network. And we recently passed the 9,000 followers mark on wow. Twitter. Huh. And so that, that's incredibly exciting if you think about the humble beginnings of the network. I mean, it literally was me with a laptop, you know, creating a Facebook page. And now we have, you know, 9,000 folks plus um, on, on Twitter. Uh, we've got several thousand as well. On uh, Facebook, actually, the exact even number. More on, even more on Facebook, or, or about yeah, the same? yeah, it's even more on Facebook. And so I'm just looking at the stats right now, and the exact number is. Drum <laughs> roll, drum roll, drum roll. Oh, thirteen thousand likes on Facebook. Wow, thirteen thousand. Yeah, and just 117 this week alone. So let me let me throw this out to our RAN network and pass the mic folks. By far, the most traffic we get for the website comes through Facebook. So if you read an article on the website, rannetwork.org, and you like it or or it, it stimulated some some productive thoughts for you, please share it. Please share it, especially on Facebook. That's how most people find us. Um, but I am pleased to know that, you know, just word of mouth uh, is effective. And, you know, it seems like a lot of people know at least we're out there, whether they listen or read, they at least know we exist. So appreciate it, fam. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for supporting us. We're excited about today's topic. If you haven't checked out some of the previous episodes that we've done, we did a live kind of Ask Us Anything. We also did a Black History Month episode this month as well. And we're excited about today's topic. But before we get into that, just want to let you guys know, most of our interactions, Jamar and I's interactions, and even me and Bo as well, are digital, are online. But it's very rare that we know we're going to be in the same physical location all at the same time. And there is an event coming up that we want you guys to meet us at. It is in ATL, the A, Georgia. It is the Front Porch National Conference slash Conversation, the Just Gospel Conference, March 16th through the 18th, 2017. And there's going to be a lot of conversation speakers. Some speakers you guys know. Is that is that true? Are there going to be any speakers they know, Jamar? I think there might be some guys they know. There's this dude. There's a joker named Tyler Burns. He 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 about to joker, say something. Yeah. Okay, okay. I see how you really feel, Jamar. <laughs> well, the other one is even is even you know lower on the totem pole. This dude named Jamar. Stop. I don't know what he's all about. What he's all about. Stop. But yeah, we're both going to be there. We'll both be speaking on panels. Are we on the same one or different ones? Ah, they messed up. The they put us history? on the same panel, brother. <laughs> oh, they ain't ready. They ain't ready. I don't know so what, come you know, one of us or, or me or somebody else may be moderated. I don't know our exact function yet, but yeah, so we'll <laughs> see. But they put us on the same panel. You put us on a stage at the same time. That's asking for trouble. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. That's big time trouble. Trouble you won't want to miss. So come <laughs> check us out live at the Front Porch Just Gospel Conference, March 16th through 18th. And we're going to try to have a little past the mic meet up there, right? Yes, absolutely. So if you want to get in on the Pass the Mic family meetup, go to facebook.com. Make sure you're part of the Pass the Mic 
private Facebook group request to get in. We're also going to put together just a little something special for that group just to come together, just to interact, kind of a meet and greet scenario, very informal, very casual. So you do not want to miss that. Go to thefrontporch.org for more information. And shout out to uh, Pastor Thabidion Yabwile, Pastor Louis Love, Pastor Anthony Carter for giving us a platform, and the entire Front yes. Porch team for trusting us enough to put us on that stage. That is something that is very, <laughs> very meaningful for us. And there are a lot of great speakers, and you can go and see them. If if we just started talking about some of the speakers, we would be here forever because there's so many phenomenal speakers that are going to be speaking at this national conversation. So don't miss it. All right. So Jamal, let's get into today's topic. We've been dealing with some very non-controversial issues, correct? So let's just keep it (laughs) non-controversial. Our topic for today is just a simple question. Is the black church dead? Is the black church dead? Now we'll explain why we're asking this question and where this came from (laughs) in just a minute. We'll explain it in just a minute, but I'm just curious. I think everyone should kind of ask yourself this question as we start to talk about the black church, a complex, dynamic entity and social entity and spiritual entity such as the black church. We should ask the question, what are our initial interactions with the black church? So I'll ask you first, Jamar, what what have been your initial interactions and experiences with the black church? So I, I grew up sort of in um, a nominally Christian environment where I, I was baptized early on, but we didn't really go to church. And so I, I, I didn't grow up necessarily going to church. That wasn't until high school when, um, you know, I, I encountered Christ in a personal way, however you want to term it. And then that, that began my journey with church. And so, and so up until high school, my interaction with any church was really through pop culture. And so, you know, you absorb a lot of the stereotypes and tropes. Some are accurate, some are inaccurate. Uh, but, but a lot of what I knew about the black church came from that or the fact that, you know, my parents grew up in the black church and in black families, you're never that far away from the black church, whether you go to church or not, you ain't never far away from it. And so I grew up hearing all the little sayings and 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 knowing the songs and knowing what to do at church because we would go occasionally. Uh, but but prolonged interaction with the black church didn't come till my adult years through individuals, through membership in a missionary Baptist church, that type thing. So I know my, my, my story is a little bit different than a lot of our other African-American listeners, but that's, that's, that's sort of my backstory with it. What about you? That's really interesting. So my parents had extensive experience growing up in what would be commonly called the historic or traditional black church denominations. Now, for me, it was a bit different because my father, when he came to Pensacola, um, where I currently reside, in I think it was when he was 17 or 18 to go to a local Bible college. That Bible college was not a part of the historic black tradition at all. That Bible college was a non-denominational Bible college, predominantly white, actually. So my father went to and actually pastored at on staff at a predominantly white church. That's where I was born. And then when I was three years old, he planted the church I currently serve at, which is predominantly African-American, but not connected to some of the historic or traditional Black denominations that we'll talk about a little bit later. So my culturing and understanding of the Black church is probably a little bit different as well from the listeners, African-American listeners, because our church was more of a modern church. So we kind of have an amalgamation of a bunch of different black church denominations and non-traditional denominations as well. So we have people who grew up and were saved in Church of God in Christ denomination, uh, the African Methodist Episcopal denomination, the full gospel denomination, uh, missionary Baptist, progressive Baptist, primitive Baptist, et cetera. It's kind of all this, this mix. And then in, as well in some Pentecostal denominations. So for me, much of my interaction with the black church is has been through the experiences that I have had at my church that draw on that tradition, those distinctives, as we'll talk about in a little bit, but then also connecting it to the study and research um, and the the black preaching tradition, which um, I firmly plant myself in 
and and some of the other things that have come about through study and historical research, realizing that, again, we're not far away from the Black church at all. And, and really and truly, if I'm being honest with you, our church could be and should be probably classified in that Black church tradition. It's just not in a traditional denominational sense. So there's a lot of layers to that, right? Yeah, definitely. There's There's... One of the things we'll talk about is the fact that the black church is not monolithic, right? Um, so you're going to find a lot of different expressions, and some of this is chronological. So the right. the churches that have started in the past 20, 25 years are going to look very different than the churches that started in the, the 40s or 50s or 60s. And, and some of the historic churches, like, like Mother Emmanuel, um, uh, go back even into the 19th century. And so all of those are going to have right. different histories, different contexts, and, and different ways of doing and being the black church, which is what we're going to talk about. Right. And the reason I asked this question to begin with is because your initial starting experience with the Black church is very important for how it shapes your view of that institution. So some people, their first initial interaction with the Black church was in the 2008 presidential campaign where Chicago's Trinity United Church of Christ uh, had was put on blast, so to speak, and had a 30-second clip of their pastor, then uh, then pastor, Reverend Jeremiah Wright, uh, blasted on all of news stations and televisions for what a lot of people deem to be incendiary rhetoric for people who are not familiar with the Black church, not familiar with traditional discourse within the Black church. And this was put on, on display, of course, because then-Senator Barack Obama attended that church for a number of years. So for some people, that's their initial interaction with the Black church. And then for others, it's just flipping through popular Christian television. So whatever you know, popular Christian networks there are on cable, people just flip through, they watch those, and then they kind of wonder how much of the Black church does this represent? How, how many Black churches are exactly like what I'm seeing on television? And oftentimes that's a very negative context and connotation. But the reason why we asked the question, is the black church dead? It was based upon a article that was written a number of years ago by Dr. Eddie Glaude. And Dr. Eddie Glaude is the William Todd Professor of Religion and African American Studies at the Princeton Department of Religion. And the simple title of his article was very controversial, very incendiary. And it simply said this, the black church is dead. So he gives three main reasons why. And Jamar, I'll run through these three main reasons and then I'll kind of get your feedback. Yeah, do that. See what Dr. Glaude said, because that's a, that's, a, that's a big claim. The black church is dead. What do you say? What do you say? OK, so the first thing that he says is, and I'm quoting directly, he says, first, the black churches have always been complicated spaces. So he says, our traditional stories about them as necessarily prophetic and progressive institutions run up against this reality that all too often black churches and those who pastor them have been and continue to be quite conservative. Okay, so that's an interesting start. The second basic proof or piece of evidence that he gives is he says, second, African-American communities are much more differentiated. He said, in quote, in this section, moreover, we are witnessing an increase in the numbers of African-Americans attending churches pastored by the likes of Joel Osteen, Rick Warren, or Jensen Franklin. These non-denominational congregations often sound, in quotation marks, a lot like black churches. And then finally, he says, thirdly, and this is the most important, we have witnessed the routinization of black prophetic witness. He says, too often the prophetic energies of black churches are represented as something inherent to the institution. And we need only point to the past deeds for evidence, to past deeds for evidence of this fact. Sentences like, the black church has always stood for, dot, dot, dot. The black church was our rock, dot, dot, dot. Without the black church, we would not have, dot, 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 etc. In these instances... Uh, in each instance, I should say, a backward glance defines the content of the church's stance in the present, justifying its continued relevance and authorizing its voice. Wow. <laughs> How would you respond, Dr. Tisby, future Dr. Tisby? 
future yeah um wow (laughs) (laughs) like where do you start let me let me actually go back to your previous um statement even before you got into these then I'll, i'll briefly address these uh so 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 you were talking about how it matters what your exposure to the black church is because that affects how you talk about the church. And mm-hmm. and I, I want to make sure, because I think a lot of people get the impression that because this past the mic comes out of the quote reformed African-American network that um, we, we somehow want to denigrate or, 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 you know, bash the black church somehow, because now all of a sudden, quote unquote, we're reformed. Well, that's completely inaccurate. I think actually the first podcast we did was called Absolutely. Why We Why We Love the Black Church. H.B. Charles, I remember it. Yes. And, and that was that was our heart. That was very true to who we are. Um, but there is a phenomenon of, you know, some folks call it cage stage Calvinist, where somebody gets somehow exposed to Reformed theology or or Calvinism, and then they think that every other uh, theological tradition is wrong or deficient in some way, and they're going (laughs) to let you know about it, right? Like they're going to go into every situation with a bone to pick and just tell you how wrong you are and how off you are. And that has happened with some black folks in regard to the black church. Now, typically folks kind of grow out of it. They they calm down a little bit or they get rebuked <laughs> and and humbled some. Uh, so you do have to watch out for that. But that's not what we're about at all. We, we love the black church. Uh, the church is our mother. Um, uh, and, and I think that the theology arising from the black church, which we'll talk about later is, is gaining more and more prominence in, in a, in a wider audience. So all of that, I just had, I had to say that, man. So no, I think that's Thank you for saying that. <laughs> so look, you said, so Eddie said, I just want to deal with one and then you can deal with the other one. So, so he says, uh, black congregations have always been conservative if we can just keep it real, what what Dr. Glaude is probably talking about is in their view of sexual ethics. And so mm-hmm. the traditional black churches usually, well, th- there's a, there's, that's another episode, right? The, the role of women in, in the black church, because it's yeah, slightly so different. Se- yeah, sexual <laughs> ethics and gender as and well. Gender, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. But, you know, historically speaking, black churches have taken a traditional view of marriage, a traditional view of sexuality. And there have also been critiques that, that even at what some would look at as this shining moment for the black church, the, the 20th century civil rights movement, they would look back at the, the civil rights movement and critique the clergy and churches because they marginalized women, they marginalized yes. um folks with same-sex attraction, things of the, yeah. this nature. And that's and a very so real critique. That's a very a legitimate right. critique, I would say, as well. So I think that's where where at least that part, he, he, he he's, he's critiquing it for being too conservative. And so in that sense, behind the times is what he's saying. But that's just a little bit of context there. But what do you think about his second point? African-American communities are much more differentiated. Yeah, so I would say even to that first point, it's important for us to recognize that Dr. Glaude is coming from the academy. And not to say he's not connected to the folklore of black religion or black churches, but the academy kind of tends to have a different approach towards conservatism slash liberalism in social and gender and sexual spaces than the actual black church on the ground. The black church on the ground tends to be a bit different in its conceptualization and categorization of those issues. And so it tends to be very socially conservative, whereas black theology in the academy and J.D. Otis Roberts, who we'll mention later on the podcast, he talks a lot about the disconnect between black theology and the black church itself on the ground. And so I think we have to put and recognize that for me, just the as an observer, the conservatism versus liberalism of the black church as long as it is not directly um, sinful in its characterization of people and its marginalization of people is not something that I find to be a glaring problem in and of itself. That is our history. That is our tradition. And, and we can talk about that a little bit more, but I think it should be pointed out that he's coming from the academy when he says that. 
the last point on on this first one because we got so much more to talk about. But I, just to be fair to Doctor Glaude, in case one day he 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 randomly listens to this, he does say that that you, we need to be careful that that of conceiving of the black church as quote as necessarily prophetic and progressive, and and sure. to his point. Absolutely. Absolutely. Even during the civil rights movement, it was oftentimes the clergy, black clergy, who are advocating gradualism. Uh, they they are speaking against direct action. And so don't picture every black church as holding rallies and getting yes. out ready to march and picket and, and demonstrate and get arrested. That was definitely not every black church. And so you know, there's some legitimacy to his point that we can't automatically think of every black church as necessarily prophetic and progressive in the sense of social justice or civil rights activism type of thing. So I just Absolutely. wanted to make that clear. No, 100 percent. The black church has never been or black people in general has never been have never been monolithic. Right. So that kind of falls into his third point of the routinization of, of black prophetic witness. I'll say to the second point, I think he makes a very important point, which I will address in the threat section with probably much controversy (laughs) as to the differentiation of African-American communities and the ways in which we've talked about this before. um, Some of our white brothers and sisters or white churches, a predominantly majority culture churches would use certain elements of, of the black tradition or the African uh, tradition to gain more African American members and to have quote unquote a diverse church, right? So I think there has definitely been a bit of differentiation with how African American churches, and I think that also ties African American communities choose churches, I should say, and that, I think that also ties though into our consumeristic mentality of what church is, right? We kind of want churches now. We push away from some of the expressions and distinctives of the black church in order to have a church that fits in with our more professional image, that fits in more with our individual consumeristic needs. And a lot of times that is churches are chosen along lines of class rather than along lines of ethnicity mm. as well. Say so that. Th- so there, there's, there's a lot of that that goes into that. But if if you know trying to to move on to this because we don't want to make this an hour long podcast, we can kind of go for an hour here. But I'm just curious. So, what is the Black Church, and how would you how can we define the Black Church, Jamar? This is this is hard to define sometimes. But if someone is asking, well, what do you mean by the Black Church? What would right. you say? Well, <clears throat> Doctor Glaude speaks sort of negatively about looking back at what the black church has been and has done. He says sentences like the black church has always stood for, the black church was our rock, without the black church we would not have. And then he says, in each instance, a backward glance defines the content of the church's stance in the present. I don't view that negatively. Same. Yeah, same. Absolutely. (laughs) So I get what he's saying, right? You can't just say, it, it, it's sort of like uh, uh, the song, what have you done for me lately? And, and so you can't just say, well, they, they did great things in the past, but in the present, they're not doing things or enough, which I would take issue with. But I would also elevate the history more than it seems like he's doing, because what the black church has been is directly responsible for who we are as black people. And I mean that in a positive way. So that that the black church and the 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 functions that it had as a center of community activity and organizing dignity even, leadership development, uh financial security, all of these things because of what the black church was, we now are. In other words, we stand on the foundation of what the black church and the people within it have built. And, and to take it to a spiritual level, we stand on the foundation of what God has done through the black church to, to, to care for his people um, who happen to be of African descent. And so to look back and say, well, that was then, and because it's in the past, we need to sort of 
turn away and look toward the future, I, I would say we need to we need to always have a very clear mind about the past because the past determines so much of what is true in the present, good or bad. But I would say for the black church, most of it has 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 done great things for um, the black community in this country. So yeah. I, I would just That's assess important. the you know the historical significance more positively. Yeah, it's important also to point out that you know speaking theologically, the black church is just a branch in this broader tree. You know, That's we right. call the body right. of Christ, right? The, the ecclesia, right. the God's called out ones. You know, theologically, we approach this as we're approaching part of the body of Christ, right? So it's not just a social institution, but we believe it has spiritual, theological, even supernatural significance. Now, historically, it has most often been associated with the churches that were founded out of kind of the response to denominational segregation. So we see this prominently in the African Methodist Episcopal Church origin with Absalom Jones and and Richard Allen, uh, the Free Free African Society, uh, AME Zion uh, denomination, National Baptist Convention, Church of God in Christ, and then there are others as far as offshoots that you know, like progressive Baptist, missionary Baptist, primitive Baptist, etc. So it's it's most commonly been associated with those denominations that have predominance in African Americans, not just in 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 pews, but also in in positions of authority. Now, I think it's also important for us to talk about the Black Church as it relates to its distinctives. So many times, blackness in and of itself is something that is caught rather than taught, right? So there, there's more of like an oral history and and an experiential history of blackness that is expressed rather than written down in a definition form. That's why it's so hard for people to answer the question, what is blackness, right? That's right. <laughs> Can we really reduce it to right. words? You know, it's more than that. It is really an experience. So a couple of the distinctives, and then I'll let you chime in on some others, Jamar. I would say the black church has the distinctive of centering an emotional experience rather than just rational logical transmission. Mm. So so rather than just reason and information, it's most commonly expressed in music and the freedom to openly lament in, in the black church preaching style, which is called call and response. So there's not just a monologue preaching style from the pulpit. There's It's a dialogical preaching style. So the, the, the church and the congregation talks back All to right, the pastor. Amen. This is something... <laughs> Yeah, this is something, exactly. This is something that most people don't understand. So when they said, like, why do you keep interrupting him? Why do you keep, well, this is a shared experience here. The preacher gains energy from the people and the people gain energy from the preacher as well. It's a, it, it also, it, the, the cool thing about this is it expresses not just our Christianity, but our Africanity too. Like it expresses our blackness and our faith all in one. So it's the natural way in which we receive information. Another one, and the last one I'll say here, is it, it also provides a comprehensive ministry to the marginalized. Mm. So it, it talks, as you said earlier, it, it speaks towards economics and the legal system, the criminal justice system. It speaks towards home ownership and healthcare and all these common themes. It's it's really a universal hub. That's why it's so weird when people say these are social issues. Mm. Because the black church has always felt and categorized that we can't separate that that biblical fidelity and also societal witness, public witness in in various sectors of, of segregated or separate but but unequal societies, it, it, it's it's not something that is mutually exclusive. We have to do both. And we've always had to do both for the survival of our people. What would you add to these distinctions? Oh, man, Doc, you covered it. We could kind of do a whole <laughs> exactly, episode on these, Exactly, right? And it, it is hard to nail down because some of the distinctives aren't solely in the black church, right? Call and response or a particular preaching style or even gospel music, those can be seen in churches with, with other ethnicities and from other traditions. Absolutely. And they can also not be seen That's in black right. churches That's as right. well. That doesn't make it not a black church because people don't express emotionally, but 
that is typically distinctive in right, the black right, church. Right, right, right. And 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 it the the emotional aspect of it, for some it may be extremely foreign. But in many cultures, that emotional expressiveness, whether through through song or movement or, or what have you, that is an expression of authenticity. And I, I really got this from Dr. Christina Edmondson. She gave a great presentation at the um, One Kingdom conference in, in Charleston, South Carolina. She was talking about different different ways people actually deal with conflict. And um, and I made that connection that 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 some some folks are very expressive in it, but but the point she was making was that expressiveness communicates that you really mean it. And so for folks who are coming out of that tradition to to be the frozen chosen, as they call my Presbyterian brethren, <laughs> that means to some folks, like, do you really believe this? I mean, are you for real, for real? Right. Is this authentic to you? Because you're not doing nothing. Uh, so so that's right. that's a cultural gap that can often exist there. I think another aspect of the black church that again is not unique to the black church but the way they do it and how well they do it is something of note is discipleship and so Hmm. i remember my experience in black churches as soon as they found out i was interested in theology (laughs) i was interested in preaching man you were under that pastor's wing you were with him Uh, everywhere he went. It was a little too fast for me uh, because they had me up on the platform with them. I'm like, I don't know nothing about nothing. And you got all these folks looking at me for leadership. But it was a great experience because you knew you were going to learn ministry firsthand. You knew that somebody was going to be there to walk you through what it actually means to be uh, the leader of a congregation or uh, an elder in the flock. So I think discipleship is something that's that's very relational, is something that's organic in the black church. It doesn't take all the time, although some churches do, but it doesn't always take a big programmatic element. It just is. There's, right. you know. It's, it's more of an apprenticeship. Exactly. Natural flow of life. Exactly. Yeah. So that's always been an enriching experience. I think there's a good deal still of respect for the pastor. Um, and I've oh I, man, that's huge. Hold, like honor, honor, honor yes. Just like sometimes it's uncomfortable, you know. Like you know, I'm younger than a lot of the people who I might be preaching or ministering to in the black church, and yet they will still hold me up in a manner of respect and address me as pastor and, you know, try to serve you first in the yeah. in the, in the the buffet line and all that stuff. You're like, no, no, no. But there's something beautiful yeah. to that too, you know? Yeah. It's also training the younger generation as well. You know, we have a lot of, you know, when I step into majority um, culture contexts and churches where I speak, I'll you know, I understand, you know, I, I, Hey, I'm Tyler, you know, but if I stepped into, it was actually when I first, when I first came on staff, it was actually a big controversy because there was like, no, you're pastor Tyler. Don't allow the youth call you just by your first name. And I'm like, man, it doesn't, I'm, you know, I'm trying to relate to them. I'm trying not to come in and swing this title. And they're like, no, you're actually training them on honor uh-huh. and authority. And oh respect. man, you better believe it. Not to treat you like you're just, yeah, not to treat you like you're just some dude. No, like you have a, a position of authority over them. Um, another thing I'll, I'll point out is, and this is the last thing I'll point out in this section, is this this cultural understanding, this spiritual sense of the now, the prophetic sense of what is going on in the current world. It has really never been odd in my even in my non-traditional black church context i've never had any one of our members ever come up to me and say you should stop talking about so much cultural and social stuff on social media right. <laughs> i've never had anyone ever say that to me from my congregation right. now it seems to be a, a, a big deal in majority culture churches. It seems to be a big deal in my friends' churches. It seems to be a big deal in the churches that have me speak that are predominantly majority culture. Never once from my church. Why is that? Well, because we've never had this bifurcation, yes, this binary no. of of soul and body. We've never had this. Even if people at my church would disagree with what I say or what I have said, they would just respond and challenge me, but it would never be an awkwardness about, oh, you speak too much. Being too political. That's never yeah. been a, 
Yeah, you're being too political. You're being right. what? Like, what do you what do you mean? That's never been it at all. Most people are are very encouraged let by me just, that. So that would be another distinctive, I would say. Yeah, man. And let me just add an amen and an exclamation point on that. There has there has never been the separation between sort of your spiritual well being and your temporal or material well-being. And and by that, I mean that even if you go all the way back to Reconstruction, right, the period right after the Civil War, when uh, recently freed Black people finally had the chance to vote and they're electing Black officials into office, a lot of those men in that, in that time, it was pretty much all men, a lot of those men were pastors because the pastor typically had the most or some of the highest education. Uh, he had a platform uh, in, ter- in terms of gaining a following and a hearing. Um, he was a good public speaker. He was connected to the issues that were going on. And it was to the point that a man, a minister named Charles H. Pierce, who was a minister in the African Method Episcopal Church, who was also elected to office, he said this, a man in this state cannot do his whole duty as a minister, except if he but looks for the political interests of his people. So, I mean, mm. can you imagine that wow. coming from some pastors and some pulpits? I mean, that would be your ticket out the door. Right. Uh, folks would tell you you're being too political and whatnot. But And you can certainly take it to extremes. Like all sure. of this stuff we're saying, you can take it to extremes and to a very unhealthy level, which some churches have done. But just to your point, where talking about kind of temporal issues and what's going on day to day um, was not foreign and is not foreign to the black church. And this is maybe a good segue into the next part um, because the theology that's coming out of the black church is coming in the midst of oppression, injustice, and marginalization. Right. So right. you had to talk about it. I mean, people are in chains or people are are under the threat of, of, of lynching or yeah. people are, are losing folks to incarceration, how can you not apply the gospel to these very immediate pressing life or death issues? And that's one of the traditions of the black church too. Yeah, that's so good, Jamar. Yeah, I completely agree. Now, what would you say about threats? If we're talking about threats to the black church, what are some of the threats to the black church? I have a couple listed down here, but what would you say are, are, are some of the, you want me to go first with the threats? What, no, I'll, I'll, I'll go first because I'll just lay a, a broad philosophical framework and you can take us down into the, to the nitty gritty. Um, mm, okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> you said we'll like, where's this going? Let me retype this out. Hold on. <laughs> no, you already mentioned it before that, that, that to say the black church is really just to mention a particular branch of the church universal. And so to say the black church is not, we're not something separate from uh, the, 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 the New Testament believers. We're not something separate from uh, believers in, in Africa or, or countries in Africa. We're not something separate from uh, believers in, in Europe in places there. We're part of Christ's church. And so in that sense, we are like all our other Christian brothers and sisters united in Christ, in his bride. And so with that in mind, the the sort of threats to the black church are the same threats as to any church. And so you can easily, in any congregation or denomination, lose sight of the main thing. Being mm-hmm. that being Jesus Christ, and sure. and have all these other things you can you can do funny things with scripture. You can you can conflate the American dream with the kingdom of God. You can you can do um, all kinds of abuses in the church with people in power taking advantage of people who have less power. So so I think one of the things we got to be careful of as we talk about the black church in general is to is to particularize these problems. Um, the problems aren't particular necessarily to the black church. Now, some may be, be more um, you know, salient given the distinctives of the black church, but it's not like the black church is the only one facing these kinds of problems, and it's certainly not the only church or branch of the church that's under threat. So that's the broad mm. philosophical 
outline. Um, I just don't want folks to think that, oh, it's the black church that has problems and all these other places, they're okay, or, or some, somehow what they're facing is less serious. True. I, I would agree with you. Um, but. <laughs> no, no, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. I just think that there are some, and you touched on it, particular points because of the distinctives of the black church and the majority minority dominant subdominant dynamics of in which of how the black church interacts with the larger american church that make certain threats particularly deadly for the black church in specific because we represent such a small portion of the broader american church now let me explain so one of the threats that i have here i have three listed so the first is compromise so that's a universal threat. Like you were saying, anyone can do something crazy with scripture. We can forget the main thing. We can forget our true calling. I mean, we could do an entire episode on the millennial transmission of the gospel in the black church, which is a challenge generationally. Is the black church truly multi-generational? Is that something that is fading within the black church? That's legitimate. And I think that's an important thing for us to bring up. But compromise a lot of times leads to that, right? The infiltration of word of faith mentalities and and other sort of loose fast and loose doctrines that could lead the black church astray. I'll say the second thing is comfort and commercialism. So Mm. this is the same thing you were mentioning earlier. This idea that there's actually a church that mentions this idea in their on their website and it's not really necessarily an an evangelical church I'll say but but they talk about this idea of middle classness right that we should we should avoid the deception and the seduction of higher income and higher positions of authority causing us to lose sight of our main focus causing us to lose sight of kind of the marginalizing and the people who are struggling to get where we are, sometimes we tend to step on top of them to get to our American dream, to get to our comfort and convenience and commercialism. And I think the Black church in particular has a challenge in remaining true for a true hub, a true safe space, a true place of refuge for all African-American people in their community, not just the ones with power and affluence yeah. and, and convenience and the ones who have the, the biggest donor <laughs> base, you know, it, it's, it's, it's for everyone, the down and out, the least, the lost and the, and the left out. So my third one though is conformity. So we have compromise, comfort, commercialism, and conformity. The reason okay, I say conformity, <laughs> listen, I'm a preacher, alliterate. Alliterate too, yes. Come on now. You got to alliterate. <laughs> Even in the court, I've been watching the O.J. Simpson thing with Johnny Cochran. Talking oh, about Johnny Cochran. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, man, this brother used, all, used the black church for the wrong thing. Anyway, yeah. um, so, so we're talking about conformity, right? The idea that it is dangerous for us to wholesale assimilate into cultural majority. Mm. That is dangerous for us because we can actually, and and don't hear me, don't hear what I'm not saying. I love the multi-ethnic church. I believe it's great and it's it's necessary in many ways. But one of the things that I'm very careful of is if we all assimilate into this multi-ethnic church mentality, our culture will be lost. The majority culture will not be lost. Their mm. expressions, their style of worship, the, the things that are redeemable from their church expression will never be lost. But the, the distinctives that are redeemable for the African-American community will be lost and they will be lost quickly. Tyler, Tyler, you, 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 go, you go throw this in at the end, bro. Listen, listen. <laughs> And this is what, this is what, we, can, we can do a part two. We can do a part two. We can do a part two. I'm just so saying. So much to unpack there. And, yes. and so, so this is what I'm, and, and this is not to say we should not have multi-ethnic churches. We have had some phenomenal multi-ethnic pastors um, on the podcast, and, and they have really pushed this mentality. I, I'm not, it's not an either or. But what I'm saying is when people kind of look down on the black church because it is not multi-ethnic, well, then I have a problem. Because I'm saying, how do you look down on an institution 
that if not for it, the black community would not exist. It would not have survived. So Mm. are you saying it's irrelevant now because we have kind of achieved this highest level of church, which is that we all go to church together? Is that the highest level of church? Or is it that, you know, anyway, I could, I could really go down there, but I'm not going to go down there. Um, that's, we'll say that for part two and yeah, we'll let man. the listeners respond <laughs> accordingly. <laughs> we'll save that for part two. But I guess our final question is, Jamar, if, if well, let someone, me, oh, go ahead, let, go ahead. Jamar. Let me just add a couple uh, resources on that. So, you know, uh, where Tyler's coming from. I don't know if you've read this book yet, Tyler, but I, I thought it was helpful to illustrate your point. It's called The Elusive Dream. Corey Edwards, bro. Corey yes. Edwards. Come on, bro. The Elusive Dream, The Power of Race in Interracial Churches by Corey, K-O-R-I-E-L Edwards. And and that's helpful. And then I also wrote an article a while back for Christianity Today called The Multicultural Conundrum. If you just Google Christianity Today, Multicultural Conundrum, it'll come up. We'll also post a link in the show notes where yeah, absolutely. I, I go it a little bit more. But it's just... It's 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 intuitive, right? It, it's just if you've got a majority culture, it's easy for the the minority culture to start, sort of get subsumed and 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 overcome by that right. majority culture, so they lose their distinctive. So and, and some churches do it really well. Some churches represent the cultural diversity incredibly well. It takes and a lot other, of work. It takes a lot of work. Yeah. And then other churches I've seen not do it so well. That's kind of a secondary. Uh, theme and that's well-meaning, but I think that's short-sighted. I don't think that's looking at the the African American community over the course of history and its Ooh. future. So, uh, yeah, I'm just gonna, left I, that to the real end. Okay, I got you. Jamar J E M. No, no, no. You ain't gonna get my email. No, 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 no. Any emails? Okay, you can hit me on Twitter. So I don't even have an official Rand email. So J E M A. See, you had one. You had one. Then you wanted to step back. We had to pull you back in. I know. And we had to delete the email, but whatever. It's coming back. It's coming back. No, let me let me no, ask you this. Point. Let me ask you this last question, Jabbar, because I can't leave this out. What do you think the black church is dead? Is the black church dead? No, and I'll tell you why. Uh, very quickly, when crisis happens, where do people turn? Yeah, yeah. and we saw this it, with with the Emmanuel Nine when when uh, you know the white shooter came in and killed nine people in a Bible study, and it was still the church. That was that was the central organizing uh, and 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 heart of the community. Now you could say, well, it happened at a church, so that makes sense. Well, you know, you can even look at the recent um, uh, protests about police brutality yeah. and and criminal justice. Still, so many of those leaders are black clergy. Still, so many of the hubs for organizing. Our black churches, even if it's just as simple as opening up their sanctuary for a meeting space, right. when the going gets tough, we still know who our spiritual mother is, that being the black church. And we turn to her for nourishment, for sustenance, for life coming through the Holy Spirit by faith in Jesus Christ. That's good. Now, let me say, I do think there are things that we, we need to work on within the black church. I think all of Dr. Glaude's criticisms of the black church and critique, his entire critique shouldn't be thrown out. Um, he may have done a little clickbait with <laughs> is the black church or the black church is dead. But you said it should be or should not be? <laughs> it, it, it shouldn't be completely discarded. Okay. It shouldn't be di- completely discarded. So what I'm saying is there are some things that we need to listen to. And even if there are still some clergy that exist in these movements. There aren't as many and for a reason. And there are a lot of millennials that feel as though the church may have lost her way in some instances. Can't say that universally, but in some instances, the church has lost her way or the, the church won't even care what they have to say or won't care about their causes. So I think that's something just to point out. But I would say that the black church isn't dead, not just from an experiential reason, not just from a, a pure numbers standpoint, because we can list off numbers and statistics and et cetera, but I would say because America needs her now 
just as much as any social or religious institution. And, And here's why I say that, because what other institution in its purest form, not in its in its diluted form, but in its purest form, can speak holistically with moral credibility to the panorama of the black experience in America. Wow. See, the black church in its purest form is not hampered with the baggage of historic moral inconsistency that we see in white evangelicalism, right? Mm. The, the black church in again, in its purest form, it is not rendered ineffectual by the de-emphasis of fundamental orthodox Christian doctrine like mainline Protestantism. The black church in its purest form is does not alienate its people from their historic spiritual roots like postmodernism or new atheism or secular humanism. There is no other religious or social institution that can speak to the fullness of the black experience in its purest form like the black church can. It can speak to political power, individual responsibility, it can speak to hip hop and the arts. It can speak to mainstream evangelicalism. It can speak to the social morality of our culture. It can speak to secular humanism, Black Lives Matter, Black nationalism, to the margins and the mighty. What other ch- what other institution can do this with moral credibility in its purest form? We don't have to look back and say, well, we have a shameful history. No, no, no. We have a rich history. We have a blessed history. What other social institution can do that? So America needs the black church to speak to this nexus of black consciousness and black morality and and black thought and black theology and black power all at the same time. In our purest form, I believe the black church can do that better than any other institution. That's why it's not dead, because America needs her now more than ever. (laughs) Bro, you wrote that down, or you practiced that. Nah, man. Nah, man, you did something. That was good. That was rich. That was elegant. That was true. America needs the black church, black and white, young and old, believer, non-believer. We need what she has to offer. So um, the black church is is not dead, and uh, we'll leave it there. Absolutely. We'll talk more about this in future episodes. Listen, if you guys appreciated this podcast, be sure to share it with your friends. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and also the Satchel app. Our award-winning producer, Bo York, is one of the founders and owners of that app. We want you to listen to the podcast there. You can also give donations there as well. And of course, we want you to continue to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, And we want you to join the Private Pastor Mike Facebook group. You can go to Facebook.com, type in Pastor Mike in the group section, and you'll see our group request to get in. It's almost 3,000 members. It continues to grow. Almost 3,000 members Mm. Mm. cross. We roll deep. Squad. (laughs) Multi-ethnic, multi-denominational, multi-generational. It is definitely something you want to be a part of. Hard continual conversations that are going on every single day there. And it's really a safe space if you're feeling overwhelmed by Facebook and many of the things you may see on your timeline, the Pastor Mike Facebook group is for you. So thank you guys for listening. And on behalf of Jamar Tisby and Bo York, we'll see you soon on the next Pass the Mike. You've been listening to Pass the Mic, a Pottery production. To find out more about this and other shows, visit Pottery.com. That's P-O-D-A-S-T-E-R-Y.com. This episode was brought to you in part by the Compelled Podcast, which uses gripping, immersive storytelling to bring Christian testimonies to life. Listen to missionaries, addicts, martyrs, and more who have seen Jesus at work in unbelievable ways. Listen on your podcast app or compelledpodcast.com.